there. Welcome to this episode. It's going to be a pretty quick one. I'm going to talk about the lie the character believes, how to use this in characterization, and three phases that will help you write your character arc. So I'm glad you're here. Come along with me and let's get some characterization and some writing done. Do you want to write fiction but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I've stood in your shoes. I've wanted to write amazing stories and wondered if I was even on the right track. I worried and struggled for years. I know what it feels like to have no idea what you're doing. Like everything you write is cheesy and amateurish and you'll never be good enough to sit on the shelves next to the great authors of your time or the classics. But I want you to know there's an answer for you. A way to know that the stories you're writing will resonate with readers. A way to transform from wherever you are now in your writing journey to someone who's universally hailed as talented and a skilled storyteller. Welcome to The Story Savant, the podcast with free writing advice for the aspiring storyteller. I'm going to give you every tool I know to help you become a master storyteller. Every week, I'll bring you tips on story structure, characterization, themes, heroes, villains, and more to automatically make your story resonate with your audience. Stay tuned. We're going to learn to tell amazing stories, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Let's do this. Hi, Story Savants. How's everyone doing today? So I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I thought it was a good week to do it, mostly because it comes at a good place between episodes, and it's just kind of logical. But I also think, based on what's going on in the world right now, that this is something we should recognize about ourselves and about people in general, that we do this all the time. And of course, we can apply it to our characters. So we are going to talk about the lie the character believes. If you're having a hard time crafting your character arc or don't know exactly how your character should respond to certain events in the plot or certain conflicts, this is a good way to map out who they are, how they would respond, and why. So the lie the character believes, this is always internal. Now, it can definitely be tied to the events of the plot or mirrored in the events of the plot, and that's great. That actually, you can create what's called a synecdoche, which is a really egghead term for something on a small scale, mirroring something on a big scale. I won't get into that too much today. But it also doesn't have to mirror the plot, at least as anything more than symbolic. This is part of your character's internal conflict. And it is basically what it sounds like. The lie the character believes is a misconception they have about themselves or the world around them. So as I said before, I'm gonna talk about two different examples. One is John Proctor from The Crucible and the other is Harry Potter, who we all know and love. So what are their misconceptions? With Harry Potter, his misconception at the very beginning of the series is that he is ordinary in a bad way. He always describes himself as utterly ordinary and that he's unworthy. And the reason he believes that is because of the way the Dursleys have always treated him. He was not as good as Dudley. He was not worthy of love. He was only worthy of being a slave. And even then, they were very magnanimous to keep him fed and take him in and all of that. So this is something he believes. With John Proctor, it, you really have to dig deep on this one, but it's similar. He believes he's unworthy, but he also just believes that he is morally a bad guy. And the reason for that is twofold. The first is that he is not very into organized religion. And he actually explains why in the story. It's because he feels like their reverend is corrupt, may not be the best word, but he's a little too worldly and Proctor doesn't like that and doesn't respect him, so he won't go to church. Now, maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal in our society, but this was a Puritan society. Church and religion was everything. So he believes he is morally bankrupt and that his soul is in jeopardy. 
The second reason he believes that is that about a year before the story begins, he actually did step out on his wife and have an affair, which is another huge, huge no-no. I mean, like you could literally be executed for that in Puritan society. So he believes, again, that he is unworthy of, for example, his wife's love. He believes his wife is a saint and he's unworthy because he cheated on her. And yeah, just that he's morally not a good man. The reason that's important to figure out what lie your character believes is because it's going to inform how they react to things in the story. If they're in a really positive, healthy mindset, set, then that's going to affect how they react to things. If they're in a really negative, lack of self-esteem kind of place, that's going to make them very defensive. It's going to make them make bad decisions. It's going to make them uh, more selfish in what they do and less magnanimous to others around them. So it's really going to affect how they react. So how can we use this to craft the character arcs in our story? The best thing that I always find is to figure out what they want versus what they need. Those are two different things. One of them is very selfish and they need to sort of look past it and the other is much more transcendent. And then throughout the course of the story, take them from one, from what they want to what they need. So let me explain using the examples. So we said Harry believes he's ordinary and unworthy. So what does he want? On the one hand, he wants to be special. And when I say special, I mean he wants somebody to single him out and love him because the Dursleys never did that. He was never special enough to be worthy of love, right? So he wants to be special in somebody's eyes. But at the same time, and what's going to sound a little counterintuitive, is that he also, in a lot of ways, wants to be just like everyone else in that he wants to have a mother and father, which he never had. He wants to have a family. Uh, he wants to have people that care about him. And of course, he's not getting any of those things with the Dursleys. Okay, none of those are necessarily bad wants, of course, but what does he actually need? Well, we all know that defining one's self-worth based on what other people think about you is not a healthy psychological practice. So in the end, he needs to find his own self-worth independent of the people around him and the events around him. He needs to figure out who he is and what his place in the world is and be confident in that. How about John Proctor? Kind of similarly, he wants to be considered worthy. He wants to be forgiven for his sins. And I think he wants to have a happy marriage. As you go through the story, it's very obvious that there's a lot of distance in their marriage and that's not fun. He doesn't like that, but Puritans did not have the option of getting divorced. So he wants these things, but what does he really need? Does he need forgiveness from his wife? Well, that would be helpful, but we also learn that she's not holding a grudge for what happened. She doesn't feel like there's anything to forgive because she feels like she was kind of complicit in pushing him away for the affair. So what he really needs is to forgive himself and recognize his own self-worth, even though he's made mistakes, to understand that that doesn't make him less worthy. It just makes him human. So in mapping this out, we figured out what the lie the character believes is and what they want versus what they need. So the next question is how to get them from one to the other in your story. I'm going to give you three phases that you can go through. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to create a PDF of this. So you really don't need to be writing this down. I'm sorry, I should have said that at the beginning of the episode. If you're not at home, make yourself a voice note or take a minute right now when you're listening if you can and click on the show notes and you can download the PDF so you don't have to take notes on this. Okay, so the three phases. There are basically three phases of the story when it comes to this particular kind of arc. First, unrewarding enslavement to the lie. So that's at the beginning when they're still completely 100% believing the lie and they are enslaved to it. Phase two is time of discovering the truth and growing away from the lie. 
So that's going to be basically the whole middle of your story. They're going to very slowly start to understand what the lie is and turn away from it. And number three, claiming new empowerment over the truth. That's going to be your final phase. So let's go through the examples. Uh, unrewarding enslavement to the lie. This would be the very beginning of Harry Potter when he is still doing whatever the Dursleys want and kind of believes what they tell him. And, and we do see some internal anger from Harry, but it doesn't come out a whole lot. It doesn't come out as much in the film as it does in the book because we have his thoughts in the book, but he doesn't really act on that anger because some part of him believes what they tell him. Same with John Proctor. The unrewarding enslavement to the lie is the first part of the film. And in, in this case, it's actually, we, we don't get as much of a progression from him until about three quarters of the way through the, through the film. He, he continues very stubbornly to believe this. The time discovering the truth and growing away from the lie. For Harry, this is all the things he does in the story. This is going to Hogwarts. It's making new friends. It's discovering the value of things like friendship and bravery and standing up for what's right and fighting against injustice and seeing the rewards of that. He, I mean, I think he always knew that the Dursleys were wrong. It's not like he didn't know that. He knew it on a conscious level, but he kind of gets this bone deep understanding of it as he has these experiences. For John Proctor, same thing. It's, it's everything he goes through. It's watching the Salem witch trials unfold, um, seeing that the man who first arrived, who was kind of villainish because he was conducting the trials, eventually kind of turns into an advocate for the innocent and seeing that not everything is black and white there, um, seeing good friends who he knows are good people be accused of bad things and that he needs to stand up for them and ultimately seeing that his wife was loyal to him and actually lied for him, which would have been against her better judgment because she's a very honest person that would have instilled in him that maybe if she still loves him enough to lie for him he's worth that love so just these little things incremental things that that help him to grow away from the lie and toward the truth and finally there is claiming new empowerment over the truth one thing i want to point out that that jk rowling does really well in this aspect in harry potter is that every single installment of the series he goes back to the dursleys for a short time over the summer or gets a little more complicated than that in the later books but for a short time and take a minute to notice that he never is as docile to the Dursleys again after the first book. There are certain times he might be placating them or being cool because he wants them to sign a permission slip or something like that. But after that, he never has any qualms about yelling at them about stuff, about, you know, threatening Dudley with magic. I mean, he really stands up for himself after that. And he doesn't even do it in a bullying way. He just does it in a, I know who I am. And no matter what you say, I don't believe you anymore kind of way. And that's what I think you're really aiming for when you get to that third phase. Make sure the character will never be enslaved by that lie again. Harry will never be conned into thinking he's worthless again. He knows better. He's the boy that lived, right? So we need to make sure our characters get to a point where they're not going to go back to that. John Proctor, his truth comes, actually, there's a very pivotal scene. And like I said, you don't get a whole lot of incremental change from him. These things are obviously affecting him. But the biggest change comes in kind of the final climactic scene when he not only patches things up with his wife and realizes that he he wants to fix his marriage and have a life with her, but then realizes that his name and his integrity is worth more than, you know, feeding a lie to dogs, as he puts it. So he finds his integrity, but he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. It was very self-sacrificial if he didn't know his own worth. He had to know his own worth in order to free himself from the lie and claim his own power. And he did that. It was, it's got a tragic ending, but it's very, very moving and very powerful because of that. So this is what I would suggest. I would go through these 
quickly with your characters, especially, you know, the the main protagonists and maybe the major players too. And and maybe even with the villains, if you want the villain to be, you could actually do this either way with the villain. You could move them toward a greater understanding, but you could also do the opposite with the villain. So they started a greater understanding and sort of um, regress. Either way works, but you should know what these are for the villain too. Even if these for the villain aren't going to play a big part in the story, they will also, they will help you figure out how your villain will react to what your hero or heroine is doing. So yeah, um, go through these and make sure you know what they are. Um, You might not include every single one of them in a big way in the story, but it will help you as the writer understand why your characters are making the choices that they are, and you'll be able to talk authoritatively about why they are. So finally, we have the so what. Why is this important and why will readers latch onto this and identify with it? Because this is what we do, right? (laughs) We see other people doing this. We say, well, this person was you know, told over and over again that they were worthless and now they struggle with this. You know, this person, even with something that seems really maybe kind of frivolous by comparison, something like emotional eating, you know, at some point they are dealing with an emotion and they're hiding it by eating it. But we can understand what the cause and effect of that is. And I I honestly think that's why humans are so interested in villains and in serial killers. We're trying to understand the cause and effect that got them to that. We naturally are drawn to that because it's knowledge. And it's a way to say it was a chain reaction. This led to this, led to this, led to this. So we get it. Not that we necessarily agree if we're talking about a really negative behavior, but we can look at that and say, I understand. And then if we have a character that is, you know, acting a certain way and we get why they're acting that way, even if we don't agree with it, and then we see them transcend that at the end and turn away from it, that's powerful. Seeing Harry figure out who he is and (laughs) really transcend everything the Dursleys have done to him, that's big. That's huge. We are rooting for him and we want to see him do that because it's inspiring. John Proctor, maybe things didn't end as happily as we would like, but man, that was powerful, right? And we are behind him, even though maybe we wanted a little happier ending for him, we are behind the principle of that and we can feel that. Like I said, I think this is something that's very applicable in our day. You know, these are frightening times. They're very uncertain, but we understand, we can look at the world around us and understand why certain behaviors happen and not necessarily agree with them if they're negative, but strive to make ourselves better because we can understand that behavior. And it is reflected in us because if we hadn't experienced that, we wouldn't identify with it. But we can also say this is a negative behavior because this character chose X, Y, and Z and didn't understand this. But it enlightens us because we can say we're going to choose something different because we understand what that character didn't understand at the beginning. And then use that to make ourselves better. That's why people love characters and that's why we love stories because they're uplifting and they give us hope that we can be better people and we can live vicariously through these characters and learn things that otherwise we might not have learned without reading that story. So make sure and go through this with your characters, the lie the character believes, and see if you can't write a character that will inspire someone and change them for the better. All right, I will see you next time. Happy writing. If you would like to support the show as a patron, hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash story savant. If you're big on Facebook, join our Facebook community at bit.ly forward slash Story Savant Facebook. To get a free PDF of my nine essential plot points for a page-turning story, sign up at bit.ly forward slash Story Savant Courses. All these links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today. You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you've heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. 
It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.